Hello and welcome to the First and Set Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm back home on this Thanksgiving week, getting into the final regular season week of the Big Ten football season. But first, we've got to recap the second to last week of the Big Ten football season. A lot of good football to talk about. And I'm here, joined once again, long time no see, in Columbus, Ohio, by my co-host making his triumphant return. It's Reid Murray. Reid, what's going on? Hey, Pat. Much like Sam Darnold a while ago, I was out indefinitely with mononucleosis and, uh, you know, in recovery, but still able to do the pod here in Columbus with the family. So uh, happy to be here. Happy to be back in the mic once again after my first episode gone from the first and 10 since really, I don't I don't even know how long. Um, it's been a while since it was a non you and me episode. It had been a while. I think it had been about two years, more, more or less, going on three since Reed had not been on the show. And I've been on every episode of the show, excluding some bonus episodes here and there, like Reed's preview of the Ohio State-Michigan game in 2019. And I think there was an Ohio State-Penn State one in there. That was an all-timer, by the way. Reed did a special there was. Episode. That was an all-timer. Uh, the Reed Murray special bonus episodes that were just Reed, film session, all those from season one and two of the first and ten are, are some of my favorites because quite frankly, oh, no, the I'm, film sessions were no good. The, the uh, film session was pretty good. I liked film session. Quite frankly, no, the, the bonus was, ones, the bonus ones there to were ruin things. Film session was no good. I like listening to Reed's voice more than I like listening to my voice. So, uh, yeah, those are some some classics. But it had been a while. But uh, Gavin Dorsey, our, our good friend, did an excellent job filling in for Reed. Uh, of course, you know where to find him. But yeah, Reed, Reed couldn't make it. He was sick. He's feeling a little bit better. Luckily, he didn't have to get in the car and, and haul back down to Tennessee for Thanksgiving. The Murray family is in Ohio, of course. So Reed gets to stay up there and potentially see an all-timer of a football game this weekend, Reed. So exciting stuff there. All right. Let's get into our week 12 recap, Reed. Got a lot to break down across the Big Ten. We've got a clear picture now of the Big Ten West and what it looks like. And right now, I think that's the biggest story in the conference right now outside of, you know, that little game in Columbus on Saturday. It's the Big Ten West right now. And my winner of the week is the guy at the top of the Big Ten West, not the head coach, but the offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz beating the allegations again and extending that leash Maybe extending that contract. I'm sure the rest of the Big Ten West would love it. My winner of the week is Brian Ferentz because, Reed, the Iowa offense didn't do a ton in this game, but here's what they did. Late in the game, uh, Athen, whose name escapes, last name I can't pronounce, the quarterback for Minnesota filling in for Tanner Morgan, uh, and I'm not going to try and pronounce because I don't want to botch it. I'm going to not do him that disservice. Third down play, Minnesota needs to get probably a couple more yards to set up a safe field goal to win the game. And they don't do that. They decide to pass it for maybe, you know, less than – they barely passed it all day, hadn't passed it well all day. I would have given it to Mo Ibrahim. That's a different conversation for probably a different time on this podcast, to be quite honest. I don't know why they didn't give it to Ibrahim. We'll have it now, actually. Giving it to Ibrahim probably guarantees you three or four yards, makes it an easier kick, and I think Minnesota wins the game there. They threw it. They threw an interception, and – Iowa wins because of it, but they didn't just win because of that. We thought it was a pick six. It probably should have been a pick six. Ref says he stepped out of bounds. I think it was a bad call. Whatever. Iowa has the ball, and now they have to drive down the field a little bit further than they would have otherwise. I think it was they were about the 50. Uh, they have to get some yardage, and they have to set up a game-winning field goal. And that sounds easy for most teams. Let's keep in mind, this is Iowa. And then – 
for the first time in the history of this sport, Brian Ferentz draws up a really smart pass play over the middle. And not only that, Spencer Petras throws an absolute dart to set up a chip shot field goal to win it for Iowa. So Brian Ferentz is the winner of the week, but so is Spencer Petras. These guys, in the most crucial moment of not just the game, but the season for Iowa, with the Big Ten West title on the line, or a chance to get the Big Ten West title on the line for the driver's seat in the Big Ten West, because if Iowa wins, then they've got that tiebreaker for Purdue. Uh, if Minnesota wins, then Purdue's got a tiebreaker over them, and Purdue's in the driver's seat. He sets it up. Iowa wins the game. Crazy. Who would have thought? Not me, but Brian Ferentz somehow, some way, keeps winning. Iowa keeps winning. And here we are now. Reed, any thoughts on this game? I think the working theory is going to be that the Ferentz family – and Spencer Petrus, our first and 10 listeners, they heard us doubting them. They heard all of our did. Iowa talk in the beginning of the season, and that fueled them, and that's what fueled their comeback. I'd like to think we are responsible for you're welcome, uh, Iowa the fans. turnaround of Iowa football this season. You're welcome. Yeah, you're, you're welcome, Hawkeye Nation. You it's all Indian. us. Buy us a drink. <laughs> hey, that's – that's uh, well, in heaven there is no beer. That's their, that's their whole thing, so uh, – I mean, yeah, let's uh, let's drink it here, Iowa fans. First and ten saved your season. Who would have thought? We inspired the comeback, and here they are today. Read the Hawkeyes, really in that driver's seat to win the Big Ten West, get to Indy for a second straight year. All they've got to do is beat Nebraska, and that's something that they have done with regularity ever since the Huskers joined the Big Ten. Who's your winner of the week, though, Reed Murray? You know, for my winner of the week, I like to think that in my freshman year at Ohio State, I've, uh, you know, had a successful time so far and everything, but I am not the most successful freshman at Ohio State from the state of Tennessee because that, that, um, what's, what, that, what's the word I'm looking for? That designation goes to Dallin Hayden, running back at Ohio hey, State. It's tight. After mine, Williams is, uh, you're very kind. <laughs> After Mayan Williams is ruled it out uh, going into this game against Maryland, games, Trayvon Henderson comes in. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Henderson comes in. He's, he's not really himself. Uh, he did score a nice touchdown in the first drive of the game, but Trayvon Henderson's not really himself. Dalton Hayden steps up. He, he did well against Indiana, but he really showed out against Maryland. Three touchdowns on the road in his first real big role with Ohio State. He could potentially be the starter going into the big rivalry game this weekend. Huge game for him. Huge way to step up uh, when, when the team really needed somebody to carry the ball with lots of efficiency on offense and really lead the team. As a freshman, he did a job, and that's uh, that's really worth the tip of the cap. Yeah, big couple games by the Memphis. He had a touchdown against Indiana and then really shined in this game here against the Terps. Filled, filled in great, and really it didn't look like the Ohio State running offense, missed a single beat. He, he was awesome. And, and I think there's an argument to be made for him as, as player of the week too, not just winner of the week. He, he really shined. Certainly a guy with a bright future for Ohio State. They just keep churning out those running backs. Really, it's almost an argument over defensive back or wide receiver as, as a position where Ohio State's just been so consistent over the years. They've always got a guy at running back, and it really looks like he's next in line once Trevion Henderson heads to the league, probably after next season. So, Definitely a guy worth watching over the next few years. 
bit of technical difficulties there after we did Reed's winner of the week or Zoom gave out quickly. We're all good, though, back here on the first and 10. So we're sorry about the abruptness of that. Let's get into our losers of the week, Reed. Who is your loser this week? I'll give you the floor first. My loser's honestly kind of me because I missed out on a lot of the USC-UCLA thriller. I missed out on all of the Oregon-Utah games. So that was a bit disappointing. Um, that was some great football we had this weekend. But uh, my true loser of the week is going to be people who don't want the Big Ten to have two playoff teams because um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it has never looked more likely than it's looking right now because all that needs to happen for two team, two Big Ten teams to get in the playoff would be in my opinion, the Ohio State-Michigan game this weekend to be close, right? You know, as long as one team doesn't blow the other team out and as long as USC loses to either Notre Dame or Oregon, which I think is pretty likely, um, I think Big Ten's getting two teams because Tennessee is pretty much done. LSU they're number five in the playoff rankings right now. That's astonishing to me. That's crazy talk. Absurd. Lunacy. Especially timeout real quick. Let's, you know, LSU being five spots ahead of the Tennessee team that came to their house and spanked them, absolutely embarrassed them. Team that has the same record and not only beat them head to head, but dismantled them head to head on the road. That's crazy. But it's beside the point. LSU technically still in the race, but I think as long as LSU doesn't beat Georgia, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the S- he, they're not getting in. Tennessee's done. UNC's done. I think that if the Ohio State-Michigan game is close, the loser of that game has a better case than Clemson, assuming Clemson wins the ACC. Um, so I think the way the, the hierarchy of playoff teams right now is number one, Georgia, assuming they win the SEC. Number two, winner of Ohio State-Michigan. Number three, TCU, assuming they went out. Number four, USC, assuming they went out. Number five, a loser of Ohio State, Michigan. So I think all that it really requires is one of TCU or USC to lose one of their remaining two games. I think there's a pretty high chance one of those teams loses one of those four games. So I think the odds of two Big Ten teams getting in are, are actually pretty decent right now. So I think for all the SEC fans... and finds their way back in. Yeah, but I think with Clemson sitting at what is it, nine right now, they would have to really blow the doors off of UNC. And I also think there's a real chance they lose to South Carolina or UNC. Um, yeah. I think Clemson needs, I think the Big Ten just needs one of the teams ahead of them to lose. I think Clemson needs two different teams to lose to free up a spot. I think Clemson's really behind the eight ball right now. I agree with you. Yeah, but Rita, I, I, I see it the same way you do. Definitely uh, a lot to look forward to as we finish out the season. Really interesting playoff race. And I think Ohio State and Michigan, even, you know, win or lose, regardless of this result Saturday, are both still alive. So good choice there, Reed. I'll give you my loser of the week. I'll keep it here in the Big Ten. It's Tuck coming. It's Tuck coming, Truthers. It's it's those Michigan State fans who have been talking all offseason, talking a lot of trash about Michigan State's here to stay. Tuck's coming. What happened? What happened? Where was that this Saturday? Where where was Tuck? He was supposed to come. I didn't see him. Reed, did you did you see Tuck? Uh, I didn't see him. No, I, I don't didn't. think he came. Frankly, I don't. Th- I I certainly don't think so. I I don't think he was there. Tuck ain't coming anytime soon. 
because Michigan State got embarrassed in double overtime by the Indiana Hoosiers. Reed, what was your reaction when you saw this final score? I was surprised. I I, I don't know what to think. Indiana winning a game in November? Indiana, you know, not finishing the game and finishing the season on a nine game losing streak. I was completely taken aback, but good for the Hoosiers, man. The Hoosiers had a little bit of mojo on Saturday, Reed. And this is something I want to talk about a little later in the episode with foreshadowing. They were running this offense where they, they just ran the ball all day long and it was option plays because their offensive linemen can't block up the middle. And the offensive line played pretty well, but I think it was because they were running so much option stuff and, and it really makes more sense based off of the personnel they have. Uh, and Dexter Williams, the quarterback, a mobile quarterback, I can't believe it's taken this long into the season for him to play, to be quite honest. But he looked really good. I, I liked what I saw from him. And potentially looking at next season, obviously it's a really tough start to the schedule. Like they start with Ohio State and then they get Louisville and Indianapolis. So a couple of, uh, of pretty good teams there to, to start things out. But I think Indiana can make a bowl next year, and that's definitely progress. Should they run with Dexter Williams, and should they run this style of offense? But that's not the point here. The point is that Michigan State's embarrassing. And this loss, not only is it embarrassing for Michigan State because you're losing to an Indiana team that looked completely dead against Ohio State two weeks ago, and it's a trophy game, and that's just not fun to lose to a team that's a quote-unquote rival, even if it's not much of a rivalry. Um Michigan State's not going to make a bowl, all things considered, more than likely, unless they beat Penn State this week. They're probably not going to beat Penn State, let's be quite honest. Reed, Michigan State finishing at 5-7, and seven potentially. Who saw that coming? Except us, here on the First and Ten podcast. We called it. Oh, we absolutely called it. I had him 6-6 six and six preseason. You know, not all my preseason predictions came true. I had them 5-7. and seven. Yeah, I- we, we had this. Everyone was, you know, we were listening to people saying top 10 Michigan State. Michigan State's going to make a push for the playoff. Michigan State's going to, you know, be above Michigan. All these crazy takes about Michigan Absurd. State this season. Absurd. And like I said, we weren't right about everything, you know. Kenneth I was Walker wrong about was Minnesota. on the sidelines this week, Reed, but he ain't walking through that door. Right. And I was wrong about that. Minnesota. I was slightly off on Maryland. I was kind of right in there, but slightly off on Maryland, you know off on some of my takes but the michigan state one is one that was the one i was most confident Damn in. right we knew it was going to happen and it happened and uh one more self pat on the back for that one another pat on the back to the preseason po- podcast where we absolutely called that read we're gonna take a quick break here on the first and ten and we'll come back with our game of the week player of the week and wheezy of the week stay tuned we'll be right back Back here on the first and ten, ready to get into the second half of our show here. All right, Reed, we're going to talk about our game of the week here and a couple of good choices. We talked about Ohio State a little bit already. Their game against Maryland, definitely a closer one than a lot of Buckeye fans expected coming in. We talked about Iowa-Minnesota, another tight one, went down to the wire. Really exciting finish there in Minneapolis. But, Reed... Our game of the week this week is Michigan and Illinois. What did you see in this one in the noon slate read? I was really surprised by this because, you know, I didn't get to do my predictions for this week, but I was, I remember earlier I had said Michigan was going to destroy Illinois. And I thought this was going to be the great fall of Illinois. And it was almost the great fall of Michigan. Um, but, But also in this one, while I say it was almost the fall of Michigan, 
throughout the game from the second Illinois took the lead of Michigan, I knew Michigan was going to win. I mean, even, even when it started to look weary for them, the only time I really ever thought that it was, the game was in danger was when the clock was under a minute left and Michigan threw an incomplete pass or two. And I was thinking, okay, maybe it could finally go Illinois way, but the whole time, you know, of course it was going to go Michigan's way in the end. That's just how these things work. Usually the favored team finds a way out in these kind of games. Um, but you know, I, I also during this game, I, I really felt for uh, the people who were people at Ohio State and Michigan who are, you know, writing stories about the upcoming Ohio State Michigan game. Because I remember my editor at the Lantern, Jacob Bench, saying, "I really need Michigan and Ohio State to win this week so that we could have a two versus three battle of the undefeated." Because I really want to be able to write about a game that big. Uh, so for a second, I, I was really worrying for the storylines uh, for some of the the writers on the football beats that I know, but. Um, I mean, this game was fascinating because I think it really did prove some things about the Illinois defense that, you know, we knew the Illinois defense was legit and they had had played well against some decent opposition, but they had never done anything like this against a team like Michigan. And we had seen, we'd also kind of seen the Michigan offense, how, you know, they, they took on Penn State, who is supposed to have a terrific defense and was supposed to be great at defending the run. And Michigan was just seemed like, okay, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're inevitable. They can run the ball to anyone, anyone's door. If they did it to Penn State, who can they not do it to? Well, Illinois is really the answer there because Michigan struggled against uh, a stellar Illinois defense. So I think it proved, you know, Illinois is worth, or Illinois' defense rather is worth the flowers it gets. And Michigan's offense, you know, like every unit and every team in the country this season is flawed. Or it's not flawed, it's, it's beatable. And it's stoppable. And, you know, there, there have been times throughout the season where we're, it looked like Michigan's run game was unstoppable no matter what. It looked like Ohio State's passing game was unstoppable. Um, it looked like Georgia as a whole was unstoppable. I think we have seen that, that there is not a single team in the country that is unstoppable. Everyone is beatable. And this this week was the epitome of it with Michigan, number three, winning by two points. Ohio State winning by 13, but really a backdoor 13. Ohio State truly won that game by six. Um you know, TC winning by one on the last second field goal. Georgia only beating a really mediocre to bad Kentucky team by 10 points. Mm-hmm. Tennessee getting dog walked. No one is unbeatable. No one's unstoppable. And I yep. think that's really a good sign for college football. People talk about how NIL is ruining the game and how the balance is out the door. I mean, Bama's not going to the playoff this year and everyone looks beatable. And we have, you know, one team that's in the driver's seat to make the playoff that's never made a playoff before. We have another team that's knocking on the door who's never made a playoff before. I think it's a great season we're looking at. And it's kind of getting off track of this game, but I think this game is really an indicator of everyone's beatable. And I think it's going to make for an exciting postseason. And I think it's going to make for an exciting last week and conference championship week of this football season. Reed, I'm thrilled for the, the finish of the season. I really think there's a lot of interesting stuff. But my, my one quick comment on this Illinois-Michigan game, we saw it at the end of this game, Illinois leading by a point with a minute to go. Michigan is a fourth down. Pretty obvious pick play doesn't get called uh, against Michigan. Just no flag. Brett Bielema even tweeted about it. Like, this was a thing. And it really, you know, you call that penalty, Illinois wins the game. And I think that completely changes the outcome. That's also worth mentioning. And I'm going to be honest. There are certain teams in the Big Ten that get that call, and there are certain teams that don't. Really, there are two teams in the entire conference who are not getting that called against them. It's Ohio State and Michigan. Let's be real. 
That's just kind of the way it works sometimes. So I, th- I think Illinois fans have every right to be mad about that, you know, and, and it sucks. Sometimes that's how football happens. And, and, you know, you don't want to blame one penalty for being the reason why you lost it, but that's about as crucial of a moment as you can get. And, and if I were an Illinois fan, I would be livid to be quite honest. I'd be livid because uh, they call that and, and Illinois wins the game. So I think that's worth mentioning too, because I think it was a terrible call and it, it did cost Illinois the game in a lot of respects, but at the same time, you know, you don't let them drive down the field with a minute and a half or two minutes to go to, to get that game winning field goal. And you're not, you don't have to worry about this. So, but part of the reason they drove down the field was because they did a completely illegal play to set it up on fourth down. So a lot of stuff to talk about there, but all in all, it was a really interesting, great and exciting game of football and certainly the best in that noon slate on Saturday. Well, alongside that TCU game, which was also pretty fun. A lot of great football this Saturday, Reed. You talked about it, man, but it was fun. And I think it's only going to get more fun as we get into rivalry week. We'll talk about it later. All right. Players of the week. Reed, I'm going to kick this one off. I talked about him a little bit earlier, but the starting quarterback of the Indiana Hoosiers, because I don't get a chance to talk about them nearly enough on this program, is Dexter Williams, my player of the week. Uh, you're going to call me crazy, everybody out there in Twitter land and podcast land. Uh, but in the words of Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald, you can email me at hashtag I don't care because Dexter Williams might have only completed two passes and a two-point conversion, which doesn't count on the stats, but it counts. So call it three. I'm counting it. Um, but he was running the ball so effectively and he really opened up Indiana's offense when they were running this option stuff. It looked like a completely different team. They were totally rejuvenated. He ran a 35 yard dart down the sideline for a touchdown on their opening drive. And when he did throw the ball, which wasn't often, but on all those three passes, they all look really good. And, and the last two were in really crucial moments in double overtime. He had AJ Barner for like a 20, 20, 20 ish yard gain down inside the five. Uh, to set up a, a touchdown run. And then he hit Barner again on a two-point conversion because you have to go for two and double overtime. Man, Dexter Williams completely changed the complexion of Indiana's offense. They look like a different team with him running it, uh, literally and figuratively running the offense. He was running the ball. Really opened things up. I, I was impressed with what I saw. I really, truly believe if Dexter Williams was playing quarterback for Indiana all season long or say he he got the starting job for like the Rutgers game or the Maryland game that Indiana right now would be looking at a bowl game because those Rutgers and Maryland games were really close. And if they had a more dynamic quarterback than Connor Bazelak or Jack Tuttle or whoever playing, and the answer is it was Bazelak for both of those games, but they had a more dynamic quarterback playing. I, I think that was one of the biggest issues because you're not taking nearly as many sacks, not taking as many hits, as many hurries, whatever. Really, the offense just looks so much better. I was so impressed. I think they would have won both those games if Williams were playing, but he wasn't. They didn't win. They're probably not going to go to a bowl unless a team, unless there aren't enough six and six teams and need a five and seven team and they somehow beat Purdue this week. Guess it could happen, but I'm not going to, you know, bank on it. I just need to cover my bases because when I say they're not going to make a bowl, I, I need to, just in case, that, that's, uh, that's the eternal optimist in me, but Reed, I love what I saw from Dexter Williams this week. I love what I saw from Indiana running the option this week. I love what I'm seeing from this Hoosier offense as the season rounds out. I think there are a lot of positives you can take away looking into next year, which is not something I was expecting to say coming into Saturday. Yeah, for my player of the week, I'm going to go ahead and say Catron at Penn State. I believe you had him, was it last week? or I had him after the Indiana game when he scored, I think, touchdowns. 
So yeah, this week, 117 yards and 11 carries and a touchdown. Um, just one player stood out in a dominant performance for Penn State against Rutgers. And, um, you know, I feel like with Penn State, after they had lost to Michigan um, and then, you know, beating Minnesota, but then losing to Ohio State again, I remember hearing some people saying, you know, maybe Penn State is going to start to fall apart. I completely thought the opposite, that Penn State was actually really finding its stride. And I think that's turning out to be the case. I think Penn State looks strong against Rutgers. I think they'll carry it on against Michigan State. And I think they will go to a New Year's Six Bowl. I'm predicting the Rose Bowl right now. Um, but whether it's that or a different one, I think they'll find a way into the New Year's Six. And I think they're really going to excel. I think Penn State's on a roll right now. And um, I think this was just an example of it. I thought, I thought Allen was really a great performer in uh, in this particular blowout against Rutgers. Penn State's going to be scary in a couple of years, Reed. They're scary right now, but in a few years, I really do think this is a team that can push for the playoff. And, and Allen, him, Singleton, and Alar are really at the forefront of that. This is going to be a dangerous team in a few years. That young talent's deep, man. A lot of great freshman running backs in the Big Ten right now. You look at Donovan Edwards, uh, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, of course, Dallin Hayden, you already mentioned. A lot of great talent across this whole conference, especially in that freshman class. All right, Reed, Wheezy's of the week. I'll let you start. Wheezy F baby, hit me. Wheezy F baby and the F is for feeling sick. Um, not much more to say. It was, <laughs> I guess, just an update on my uh, health. You guys, I mentioned it briefly. But, yeah, I was out Thursday um, kind of disappointed. And I also I really wanted to um, kind of give my blanks of the week Um you know, for you to read up the show, I really just couldn't get myself up to do it, unfortunately. I would have um, read them too. And, you know, it, it was funny because also Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I did not know what I had. I thought it was just, first I thought it was just a common cold. Um, and then, it, you know, it got worse. Thought it was strep or flu or something. Turned out to be mono, and I wish I had tested for Sunday. Um, but I got, I, I missed some really good football Saturday night. I, I missed. I mean, I saw the ending of USC UCLA live. Fortunately, I woke up in time for that uh, just before the, the interception was thrown. But I would have loved to see the Oregon Utah game after seeing well, that transpired until and, about two in the morning, anyway. And well, I, <laughs> had I not been sick, I would have been up watching it. Um, but I fell asleep even, and I I wasn't that sick. I, I had a little cold going, but I was not minor nucleosis. So, but yeah, I think I should be good from here on out. Um, you know. We never know. We'll see. Uh, because you know, it's it's a long lasting uh sickness. But uh happy to be back on the show and I, that's that's my wheezy of the week. Reed, we're all we're all wishing you a speedy recovery. Hopefully you can continue to feel as good as you're feeling right now, except for the Michigan fans in our audience who are hoping that you feel terrible Saturday around 3 30, I'm sure. All right. So Let's get into our Wheezy of the Week for me, Reed. Wheezy F baby in the F is for fake rivalry. And I know it's rivalry week. They're all in our mind right now. Reed's probably thinking, what is this? What is What fake rivalry are we going to talk about? Dabo Sweeney was quoted today. And that's never a good sentence to, to start right there. Dabo Sweeney was quoted today. Um, that never goes well. However, here's what he said, Reed. And I will quote you. He was talking about the Clemson-South Carolina rivalry. And how lucky he feels to be a part of it, which, okay, cool, whatever. Northwestern Indiana, they're probably not having marriages break up over that. No offense, Northwestern Indiana. Let's let's dissect this. That's the fake rivalry. Northwestern Indiana is not a rivalry. I don't think it is, unless we're talking in journalism schools. Then sure it is. 
Um, are marriages breaking up over college football rivalries? Is this a thing? Not to be, you know, life advice Pat here, but don't – if you're going to – if you're the type of person to get divorced over college football, then maybe you shouldn't have been getting married in the first place, at least to that kind of person. Um, if you knew that was going to be a deal breaker, then you probably shouldn't have gone for it in the first place. And how was that a surprise to you? And who is out here getting divorced over Clemson versus South Carolina? Is Dabo speaking from experience? Is this a thing? What is going on here, Reed? You know, we, we talked about this a little bit before the show. And I think, yeah, if you're, if you're getting divorced over Clemson, South Carolina, why would you have married a fan of the, the other team? in the first place. I mean, maybe it was fine earlier and it reaches, uh, you know, a breaking point, but I, that's, it's a funny comment by Davo. Cause I think that's just the it reality that doesn't year. happen very often. It's it's one, it's one week a year where you have to like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and I see in the lanterns rivalry edition, I've there was uh, an ad. There's an ad every year of, you know, Jim Bob and Suzanne married for 40 years, uh, you know, house divided still, whatever. People can make it work. Come on, Dad, though. It's yeah. You know. Come on. Yeah, I, I think it's just a, a very funny quote, mostly because he he implies that Northwestern Indiana is the the vaunted rivalry of the Big Ten that marriages would, you know, it, it's the Clemson South Carolina of the Big Ten is what he's saying, right? Indiana and Northwestern. So, uh, sure it is, Dabo. Uh, if you want to say that, then go for it, my friend. All right. That's Wheezy's of the Week. Now let's get into our SMP ballots read. You didn't get to vote this week. You were still feeling under the weather. All good in my book, but you put your ballot out anyway on Twitter. What are your votes looking like? It's essentially the same as it was last week, but with um, – I forget where I had USC last week, but USC is my number five now. Tennessee is my number six. So I can go one Georgia, two Ohio State, three Michigan, four TCU, five USC. And then 11, Penn State is my other Big Ten team. I think that's – I think my Big Ten picks are the exact same as they were before. Really not much explaining to do with this one. It's, you know, Penn State showed up – you know, maybe if TCU had looked really strong against Baylor, they could have passed Michigan or Ohio State or something like that. But really, there's no need to move anybody around this week except for Tennessee, you know, after, after losing that game. Um, but even Tennessee, I didn't move back that far because – uh, I think their resume as a whole looks better than some of the other top 10 teams. Yeah, and that's the fascinating thing with Tennessee is I guess it's just not that they lost. It's that they lost so badly to this South Carolina team that I don't think all things considered is, is very good at football. But, hey, they proved me wrong this week, and they absolutely demolished Tennessee, so what do I know? All right, my rankings this week, I'll go give you on my top five first. Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4, Southern Cal 5, the Trojans. Uh, then my other Big Ten teams I have ranked. I've got the Penn State Nittany Lions read coming in at number nine in my poll this week. And I believe that's it in terms of Big Ten teams I've got ranked because there's just so much mess in the West right now. But, yeah, my thoughts are pretty similar to yours, Reed, and it's definitely going to be a really interesting playoff race to close out this regular season. Been a fun one so far. Got a lot of Sunbelt and uh, I think Conference USA representation. I don't even know what conference South Alabama's in. I think they're Sunbelt. I've got South Alabama ranked this week. I've got Troy ranked this week. So uh, good for them. Shout out to them. Got Coastal ranked still. Not totally convinced on their case, but, hey, the record looks nice. Uh, Oregon State's in there. Really fun story this season. So 
yeah, a couple a couple fun little teams in the rankings that you, know, you don't usually get to see. So definitely a really good college football season, really interesting college football season. Reed, I'm interested to see how it plays out this week. Definitely going to be a fun one, man. It's, it's always fun in rivalry week, but I think this week in particular is going to be a good one. I agree. We'll have a preview for that later in the week for you guys. But until then, Reed's back. We're back. First and 10 is back. For Reed Murray, I'm Patrick Fultz signing off. We'll see you later in the week. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next time. Bye.